What up, what up, what up, what up? Blueprint here, Super Duty Tough Work Podcast. Once again, um, due to some transportation issues, Elogic is unable to join me this week on the podcast. So instead of canceling this week, I decided to try to do this episode solo, solo dolo. Obviously, this is a podcast that I've never done alone. So there's naturally going to be a little bit of nervousness, but uh, situations like this are perfect for trying something different and seeing how it comes out. That said, y'all will have to let me know what y'all think about this one in the comment section on SoundCloud. So today I want to take a few minutes and talk about following your gut instinct and why following your gut is so important for a creative person. Uh, this topic popped into my head today as I was thinking back on my journey as an artist and promoter, because I remember certain ideas that I had and I wanted to bring to fruition. But I didn't simply because my team at the time didn't understand and because they didn't understand and I didn't want to have any conflict with them. I didn't listen to my instincts. I didn't follow my gut. Years later, things panned out in a way to where I can see that my instinct was totally right and that I should have stuck with it. Um, but today we're going to talk about why following your gut instinct is so important. And uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We got you stuck off the realness, the most infamous. You heard of us, official podcast murderers. The show comes equipped with few points to share. Grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow. So go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode. You're not alone in this world, cousin. So we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to. They spread gossip, but they never come close to. I can hear it inside their tone. They talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free huh. so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. All right, now the first section I want to talk about uh, in this episode is I want to give some examples of what I'm speaking to in terms of not following your gut. Uh, these are situations that happened to me over a decade ago, and uh, I can reflect on them now uh, with a lot more clarity than when they were going on. So I'm going to start with example number one, and this is chamber music, my chamber music album. As many of my fans know, being a beat maker has always been a big part of what I do. In fact, uh, making beats was something I took seriously long before I ever took rapping seriously. It just so happens that way more people responded to my rapping than I actually uh, thought, which is what really allowed my career to take off. Next thing you know, I was primarily known as an MC, but my connection to hip hop production and the scenes of producers who contribute to it has always been pretty, pretty strong. One of those aspects is instrumental hip hop. Some people called it trip hop music or chill music or down tempo back in the days. It had a lot of different names, but the energy was the same. 
It was instrumental music made by beat makers or guys who had a hip hop mindset, but it wasn't made to be rapped over. It was made to be listened to alone and on its own terms. DJ Shadow, DJ Crush, DJ Spooky were three guys who were pioneers of this type of music. But when it really boils down to it, it's just instrumental hip hop. I used to call it instrumental back in instrumentalism back in those days. That was just what I called it, but it had a lot of names. Well, because I was such a fan of it and a producer myself, I started working on my first instrumental album in the year 2000, a very short time after I started making beats. This instrumental album was called Chamber Music, and I released it in 2004. Now, when I did this album, I knew in my mind that it was a different album from what people were expecting from me at the time. But because I could see the whole spectrum of instrumental music, my instinct told me to push forward and release it anyway. This was right after the Soul Position album had taken off. So my fan base was expecting more rap from me, but that's a whole different subject by itself. Now, I released Chamber Music in 2004 and actually had two publicists for the record, one in the United States and one in the UK. The one in the United States did okay with the record, but the press was not really ready for these types of records yet. And even guys like RJD2 had just kind of picked up the torch and started to run with it. But you didn't have a whole scene yet. Even despite this, I got some decent coverage for it. Nothing great. Uh, but the UK press was a completely different story. I believe that since there were record labels like Ninja Tune who were dedicated to instrumental music like what I was making, that the record would be very well received out there, which is why I got a publicist strictly for the UK and Europe. Boy, was I wrong. This record ended up getting so much bad press that the publicist that I hired and paid to work the record actually quit. He quit on me. That's right. He said, Print, I can't work this record because people don't get it and it's going to hurt my reputation. So I have to drop you as a client. I had never heard of such a thing happening to an artist before. So I obviously was kind of hurt, especially, you know, my ego. But I just accepted it. I can't even remember the cat's name anymore, maybe because I had to block that out of my mind. But it really happened. I got dropped from my publicist because my record was getting so much bad press that they didn't want it to be on their resume anymore. Wow. That rejection was one of the first times that I felt significant resistance to following something that was in my gut that I knew was the right direction. My fans didn't understand it and just wanted me to rap and my publicist dropped me as a client, all because I wanted to make an instrumental album at a time when it wasn't common. Remember, this is 2004. The result was that I fell back a little bit with releasing instrumental music and stuck with the vocal stuff for a while. 1988 came out, did well. The second Soul Position album came out, did really well. And I put out a gang of other vocal stuff the next few years that all did really well. That's example number one. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to get into example number two about following my instinct. Example number two is about a series of shows we did here in Columbus called Critical Beatdown. Now, despite not getting the reception that I thought I would get to my instrumental album chamber music, I didn't give up so easily just yet because my instinct was telling me that what I saw as far as the future of instrumentalism was correct. So back in Columbus, my hometown, Weightless Recordings had a team of people at the time who helped us execute 
plans and ideas. One of the areas we did really well in was show promotion. This was because our artists were really popular local at the time, but also because we were beasts at street promotion. Back then, we really were the first team who would go out and pass out flyers for our events. Super organized. We would go out two to three nights a week sometimes and hit up whatever the biggest event was with flyers to promote our show, sometimes passing out 200 to 300 flyers a night, sometimes 500 to 600 a night. This was around 2004 to 2008 or so before Facebook events popped off as the main way to promote things online. Back then, grassroots promo was what we excelled in. As a result, all of our shows did well. If we did 200 people back then, that was considered below average turnout. We were in the 300 to 500 range for most of our events with our artists. Anyways, because I basically pulled together my team of two to three people to help Weightless Flyer and promote our events, I started to see angles for other events that aren't the status, the standard hip hop event that we did. One of those ideas was an instrumental show series called critical beatdown. My idea was basically to take three different types of instrumental artists and put them on the bill together and see what would happen. The first show we did was in 2005 and it featured the producer group The Opus from Chicago, a turntablist named DJ Spare Change and a beat battle between me and Jay Rawls. No vocalists. The only person who spoke at the show was the host Elogic. That might seem like a common thing now, but in 2005, it wasn't, especially here in Columbus. We didn't know what was going to happen, so we did this show in a spot called Bernie's in Columbus that was about 150 capacity and sold it out immediately. In fact, we oversold it. So despite the hard time I had promoting my instrumental album to my fans, the success of this event let me know that my instinct was correct. We did another critical beatdown show later that year featuring Blockhead, a band, a local band called Brainbow, and a DJ battle between two local turntablists, DJ Bombay and DJ Trastic. This time, we did it in a bigger room that was around 500 capacity at the time. Over 450 people came out. We did a third installment of critical beatdown six or seven months later that featured DJ Abilities, producer Maker from Chicago, and a local hip a local instrumental band that show did another 350 to 400 people everything i was seeing that i felt in my gut was working which felt great but here was the problem one of the people on my promotional team didn't believe in the vision in their minds we should stick to hip-hop and instrumental music wasn't cool to them because it brought out in their words the corny electronic crowd so as we did these shows, they were giving me more and more resistance. Every show we did, there was more negative feedback from them, despite doing the numbers because they didn't feel cool enough. Huh. Anyways, my solution was simple. I told them that they didn't have to promote these shows and I would find someone else who was more comfortable to do it. They could do all the hip hop stuff and someone else could do these shows. Soon as I started telling them my plans to bring in a girl who was more familiar with promoting shows to the electronic scene, my so-called friend and teammate flipped out on me. They threatened to quit altogether. My instinct and the numbers were telling me I was onto something, but because I didn't want conflict at the time, 
I fell back on the Critical Beatdown show series. But I have to be honest and admit that because I didn't want to jeopardize the team that was working for my hip hop shows, I was hesitant to keep pushing these instrumental shows, even though the crowds were great and we were making great money. Once again, I abandoned my gut instinct. Eventually, me and the person who gave me a bunch of resistance stopped doing business together. Funny how that all works out, but that's example number two. Now, example number three, and this will be my final example. This is about uh, the analog catalog, which is a label I was going to start back then. So back during the same time period, of the first two examples, things were going really well for Weightless. Logic was a full-time artist. I was a full-time artist. We had a label manager who was working full-time for us. And we had two other guys on our promotional team who were making great money. Records were selling and the vision that I had for Weightless, which was to give Columbus hip-hop artists a platform and allow them to make a living from their art, was largely being fulfilled. At that time, I felt I had a team in place at Weightless that could handle a large part of the day-to-day -day operations. So my focus started to move elsewhere as I began looking for the next mountain to climb. My idea was to start a label just like Weightless Recordings, but it would be dedicated to instrumental music. The label would be called the Analog Catalog. This would allow me to avoid the issues I had in the first two examples because people would know from jump what type of music we would be focused on. So behind the scenes, I started planning, talking to artists who didn't have platforms about their instrumental work. I started working out ideas for a release schedule. I had a friend I went to college with at the time who was always around during the waitlist stuff and always wanted to be involved. When I told him my plans, he said he wanted to partner up with me and he could help with all the administrative stuff. The critical beatdown shows were going well at the time and I knew there was dope talent in my city that we could invest in and help take to the next level. And more importantly, we were ahead of the curve because there weren't really any labels dedicated to that type of music in 2005, 2006. I brought in my college friend so that I could have more help as a partner. We both agreed to start a business account and put a thousand dollars each into it to start it out. I would go on tour for a couple months and when I came back, I would add more to it. Once we had about five grand, we would start planning a release. That's what I thought at least. But when I got back home and attempted to deposit more money into the bank account, the bank told me that our account was overdrawn and I actually owed them money because our account had been closed. I went to the bank to get the records and found out that my so-called business partner and friend had not only never deposited his $1,000 into the account, he had spent my $1,000 and overdrawn the account. When I confronted him about this, he said he would pay me back, then disappeared. Once again, I had a vision and was following my instinct, but being met with resistance. A few months later, I found out my business partner in Weightless had also stolen a bunch of money from the business. These two events made me step away from running a label altogether for a while, whether that was for hip hop or instrumental music. Those are the examples I wanted to share with y'all first, because what you will notice is that all those examples were about me pursuing or following up on the same gut feeling I had about what was going to be next and what I should be investing in as far as the future was concerned. There were not a lot of guarantees that what I had feelings about or an instinct about 
was going to work. And if you really look at it, almost all of the people around me were against the idea. So we're going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to break down what people didn't see and why this is important that you follow your gut instinct, despite all the resistance that you are going to inevitably experience along the way. Uh, we'll be right back. To all the listeners of the Super Duty Tough Work podcast, this is Blueprint here to announce that I have a brand new album titled Two-Headed Monster that will be available on May 22nd, 2018 on Weightless Recordings. The album is produced entirely by yours truly and features guest appearances from a few people that I've wanted to collaborate with for a long time, like Slug of Atmosphere, AC Alone, Mr. Liff, Wordsworth, Superstition, and High Slow. Two-Headed Monster will be the first full-length album that I've released since we've been doing this podcast. So to everybody that listens to us every week and is inspired by or helped by what we do here, I'm asking you to support me and this podcast by pre-ordering your copy of the project right now on waitlist.net. As I like to say, spread the word about good music socially and support good music financially. As usual, we've got a few different pre-order packages for you to choose from. Whether that's the regular CD version or the deluxe CD package, the regular LP or the deluxe LP package, the regular MP3 or the deluxe MP3 package, or the t-shirt package that comes with a t-shirt and a blueprint lapel pin, something we've never done before, with either the deluxe CD or the vinyl package. Whatever format you need, we got you covered. And just so you know, there will only be 500 copies of the vinyl available and it will be clear vinyl this time. We've done red, we've done orange, we've done blue, and now we're doing clear vinyl. So don't sleep. All pre-orders will ship out to arrive on May 22nd, which is well in advance of the official release date. So if you're listening to this, head over to waitlist.net right now and order your copy. I'm really proud of this record and 100% confident that you're gonna dig it too. To recap, my new solo album, Two-Headed Monster, will be out May 22nd on Waitlist Recordings and is pre-ordering right now on waitlist.net. Now back to the show. Ah, welcome back. Now, now, we're talking today about why following your gut instinct is important so the first segment i got into some examples of when i didn't do it uh why i didn't do it and what the scenarios were and there's some themes you will see there but what i want to explain to to get further into that is uh explain what the vision was what did i see what was the why behind what i thought i saw then because some people at home might be wondering print why were you pushing instrumental music so hard back then you know, what did you see to make you want to take that risk? Number one, I saw that there would be a time when instrumental hip hop music would have its own scene in its own lane and be judged on its own merit. Number two, I saw a time when performing it would become easier. Now, keep in mind, back in those days, even though I put out an instrumental record in 2004, performing was not easy at all. Performing was actually very difficult if you were going to perform instrumental music you either had to bring out keyboards synths or you had to bring out turntables 
Now, when you look at how the actual technology has changed since then, there are MIDI controllers that are used by people who uh, make instrumental music that are nothing like what a DJ would use. They're not keyboards or turntables. They're smaller, cheaper. They fit uh, the genre much better and they allow you to take your show on the road or perform it much easier. I had a feeling that that was going to happen. I saw a future for this to where, OK, now we're having these issues. But in the future, this thing is going to take off once we can get this uh, live element together. The third thing I saw was that um, once the music's popularity started to increase and you had more platforms for the music, that licensing, sync opportunities in TV, movies, um, placing all this instrumental music that had no words, which was easier for people to the average common fan to listen to, would start to take off. And what happens when the music starts taking off and is in all these popular outlets, uh, the platforms that have supported it, the labels, etc., cetera, uh, where people go to find the music, have a much easier time uh, surviving and making it through. And, and that's what I saw. Uh, that was the third thing I saw. The fourth thing I saw was that in the future, there would be large labels dedicated to nothing but putting out and promoting instrumental hip hop music. I saw that I was a hip hop artist who had created instrumental music on his own hip hop label that his own fans didn't quite understand. But when I did these events, I saw that the crowd that responded to that would come out in full force. And it was a, largely a different crowd than who we were promoting our hip hop music to. This is what I saw. Now, what I saw and, and what did I see back then? And, and let's 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 skip forward to right now, 2018. What I saw is what was happening and is happening right now, which is the birth of an instrumental music scene that is just as strong as the hip hop scene. The birth of beat culture, controllerism, lo-fi music, the whole low end theory beat scene in L.A. with guys like Flying Lotus, DiBiase, Gaslamp Killer, etc. That's what I foresaw from the beginning. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew it was coming. And I was trying to position myself to be there when it all came together. But as you can see, my instinct was met with a lot of resistance from people who either didn't understand didn't believe or weren't quite ready for what was about to happen next. That led me to ultimately stop pushing things in that area and fall back on my instincts. I didn't follow them. Basically, the entire beat culture and beat scene that exists right now and is booming is what I believed in my gut would exist back in 2003, 2004. I couldn't get the people around me to understand it because it wasn't visible to them. They were thinking in a very linear way, unable to see the trends because they weren't really in tune with it like I was. Now, this is why following your instinct is important, because there will be times in your career, just as you have heard in mine, when you may come up with an angle, you may come up with something that uh, is unique to you that only you can see because it's yours but the the people around you cannot see it so that's the why um we're going to take a quick break and i'm going to come back and we're just going to talk about 
why following your instinct is so important. There's some specific reasons I want to get into so you can understand how this all comes together. I'll be right back. Over the last several months, as the podcast has been growing, people have been asking how they can support the Super Duty Tough Work podcast. Well, here's three simple ways to support the podcast. Number one, spread the word. This is the easiest and most effective way to support the podcast. In fact, it's free and doesn't cost you a thing. So there's no reason not to do it. If you're listening to us and like what we do, please take a couple of seconds and share the podcast on your social media pages. So whether you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's highly likely that you've got some friends who share similar interests and tastes and would dig the podcast too. That helps bring more listeners to the podcast and it helps us grow. The second way you can help support Super Duty Tough Work is to comment and rate. Now, if you're on iTunes or you have an iTunes account, give your boys that five-star rating. We need that. The more five-star ratings and comments we have, the higher our show ranks and the easier it becomes for people to find it. If you're on SoundCloud, there's a heart icon next to each episode on the left side. That's the like button. Hit that like button while you're listening. Also, add a comment while you're listening and join the discussion. All feedback is welcome. The third way you can support the Super Duty Tough Work podcast, the most valuable podcast on planet Earth, is to support our music. As you know, Elogic and I are artists. We both put out albums. Elogic makes albums. Buy his albums. I make albums and books. Anytime you support our music, you are supporting the making of the show. You can find my music, books, and t-shirts at waitlist.net. That's the word, waitlist.net. Go there, pick up something, and know that what you spent your money on is an investment back into creative projects like Super Duty Tough Work. In fact, I have a sale going on right now where you can get all three of my books for just $25. I'll even sign the books for you if you request it in your order form. So, there you have it. That's three separate ways you can support the podcast. The first two cost you nothing. We thank you for your support already. Back to the show. All right, the last section for this week, uh, solo episode of Super Duty Tough Work Podcast. The logic was unable to make it. And so I'm just in here solo dolo in a lab, hitting you with some uh, thoughts that I hope are providing to be helpful. And so we're going to talk about in this section, why following your instincts is so important. I have several reasons. So I'm going to go down through this. The first reason that following your instinct is so important is because nobody has the same experiences as you. Instincts are something that are innate in all of us. But largely, our instincts are based upon our experiences, things we have seen, things we may have read, things that have happened to us. And so our instincts about certain situations will be shaped and molded by that. That's very important because when you start talking about 
what you think is going to happen, what is on the horizon. Sometimes people may not get it because they haven't been through that. They haven't seen what you've seen. Right. And uh, because they haven't seen that, they may not even get what you're saying. That's okay. Sometimes you have to acknowledge ahead of time that people aren't going to get this. But understand that a large reason that they are they feel that way is because they haven't went through the same process you went through. My vision about where instrumental music was going to go was molded not only by my history as a creator, but by my 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 knowledge as a fan. No one around me had the same uh, influences, the same inspiration. So they couldn't necessarily see what was going to happen. They couldn't see what had happened so far. Right. And so the number one reason why following your instincts is important in terms of your creativity is because nobody has the same experiences as you. And that brings me to number two reason why following your instincts is important. It's important because only you can truly execute your vision. I know a lot of people will listen to these examples, say, Prince, you had a whole team around you and you should have been able to pull off some of that. You had a whole label that was functional. You had all these artists around you. You you had the community of artists who were some were making instrumental music, people who believed in your vision. How come you couldn't execute that? And the reason I didn't execute it was because I didn't realize that technically I was the one and the only one qualified to execute that vision. See, some people get a vision and they do like I did. I said, OK, I've got a friend who who's into music, too. He's always wanted to do something like this. I want to bring him in and partner up with me so that the whole thing isn't on me. And I have someone to do these tasks that I don't like doing or maybe I'm not good at doing. But the truth of the matter is when you bring someone in like that, there's no guarantee that they know what they're doing or that they have the same level of commitment that you have because of reason number one, which is no one has the same experiences as you. Right. Okay. so that's number two. Number three, why following your instincts is important. Reason number three is because sometimes people will reject your ideas, not because they really think it's a bad idea, but because they aren't capable of thinking large enough. Sometimes what we think is actually like hating on us uh, or throwing shade is actually small thinking. It's very easy to confuse the two. And a lot of times when we start talking about our visions for the future, you better put yourself around some people who are equally visionary or else you will be trapped in people who can only see the right here and the right now. And that was an error that I made. And I would advise those of you out there listening, don't make the same mistake. If you're going to be a visionary, understand it's your burden to bear. And understand that you need to surround yourself with other people who are just as visionary. Surround your people, surround yourself with people who ask why not instead of why. So that's number three. Number four reason why following your instincts is important. Because you will hate yourself later if you don't. Out of all the rejection I faced, if you look at the three examples, uh, the instrumental record, I got dropped by my publicist. The critical beatdown shows that which were successful that I had to basically stop because people, my own team didn't want to do them. Um, And then 
you look at the label I tried to form where my partner stole the money and pretty much abandoned me. And uh, if you look at all three of those ideas, as bad as they turned out, I don't have to look in the mirror and wonder what would have happened had I tried. Failing is oftentimes way better than not trying at all. As long as you are going to be creative, you need to really weigh that out because one of the things that really haunts you as you get older, not when you're in your early 20s, because you, then you still think you have everything. Time is on your side. You think, oh, time is on my side. I've got everything ahead of me. I'll do it whenever I feel like it. But as you get older, you start to see that life is really short. And the worst thing about life is not trying and failing. It's not trying at all. My advice is to try it, to push forward, try to execute, even if you don't have all the answers. Try. That's number four. Number five reason why following your instincts is important because our gut is our unfiltered mind. By that, I mean our true instincts. If you look at how man has operated over time, our relationship with nature and uh, the outside world, instincts have always been a large part of that. So my my belief is that most of the time when you feel something in your gut and it's saying you should do that, that's an opportunity. You have to go all out because that is your true subconscious mind speaking to you about something that you don't have the answers for, but it will work itself out later. Just take the first step. And then the last reason, number six, why following your instincts is important is because life is short and windows of opportunity are temporary. By that, I mean, I've been putting music out for a long time. And during that time, I've had windows of opportunity, many of which never opened up twice. I've seen many artists who didn't capitalize on an opportunity that they had thinking that that same opportunity and that same door would always be open to them only to find out that later on they could not reposition themselves to get inside that door. They could not slide inside that window of opportunity. That's because it's all temporary. Life is short. Following your instincts about creative things you should be doing is essential. It's essential. It's because if you feel it in your gut, move in that direction. Because there's no guarantee that what you saw will be there later. You know, I share this example in this episode to hopefully inspire you and let you know that sometimes you can be right, but the people around you might not understand your vision. And because they can't understand it, they will resist or reject you. But hopefully you can see from my story that your instincts are important. Follow them. Nurture them. When you have a dream and a vision that other people don't get, keep cultivating it. Keep developing it. Don't sit back and let fear of offending somebody destroy your vision. You have to turn your vision into a plan and surround yourself with like-minded people, or at least people who, even if they don't understand your vision, trust you enough to support you. They don't have to understand it to support you. 
They just need to acknowledge and respect you enough to not get in the way and let you execute. So that's it for this week. I hope that uh, someone out there found this inspiring. I hope that uh, this is helpful to those who are trying to do something and you may not have all the answers right now. Uh, know that that's okay. And, uh, you know, uh, we missed the logic this week, but we'll catch you next week and uh, we'll be back next week. Let me know what y'all think on the comment section of SoundCloud. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. that nobody know about. I mean, super duty, tough work. <laughs>